handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am your host, J.L. Covan. It is 3.53 p.m. Eastern, August 2nd, in the year of our Lord, 2021. And Cookie Bear Covan is clickety-clacketing away. I upset her fourth nap of the day when I started speaking. She was just used to me cursing at my work computer, muttering about all the sad life decisions I've made. So she kind of can sleep through that. That's sort of her, I call it half white noise. That's a little racial joke for you. And uh, now she has walked into one of the bedrooms because she doesn't enjoy this podcast. (laughs) How are we folks? Uh, Once again, uh, now with the full power of my voice, thank you everybody who went to Boston for a beautiful Monday show. Nice strong crowd, uh, nice, uh, you know, I spent a nice 15 hours in the city of Boston. So thank you, everybody uh, who came out. Uh, I say that with my full voice now. And now let's get to, uh, I said it would take a day or two for the good vibes to wear off. And um, I think I was in the throes of just utter rage by the night that I arrived home in New York. Uh, which was uh, the Tuesday, which was six days ago, enraged. Just because I, you know, you get high, and then instead of being able to coast on that, you're confronted with a day job that uh, annoys you, and um, then you're confronted with uh, the futility of a comedy career. And it all, the crashes are very harsh in comedy when you're in a position like mine. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an 18-year career with uh, a lot of skydiving and no parachutes. I feel like that's how I would describe my comedy career. Sometimes you land in a cozy bush. Most of the time, you land breaking your face open on the concrete. 
not afraid of morbid analogies. I, at this point, am best friends with my Ron Reagan Jr. impression. Um, so, yeah, 2021, folks. Uh, the year that Bo Burnham and Ron Reagan Jr. became my imaginary friends. Uh, so, uh, what does 2022 have in store? Who knows? Perhaps a straight jacket. Um, went to D.C. this weekend. Took my nephew uh, because of my older nephew's uh, needs. Uh, my brother is sort of pretty much, uh, you know, when not in school and not with uh, therapists, my, my brother is sort of the, care ta- the, the caretaker of my older nephew. So I have stepped in as surrogate fun stuff uh, f- uh, parental uncle figure. Uh, that, that my brother can't partake in, so I get to do fun stuff. Now, granted, thank goodness I made a shit ton of money last year, so money ain't a thing, J.L. Dupree. But um, I, uh, we went to D.C., and oh, by the way, today, uh, I, am, I am five weeks uh, sober of cookies. No, I don't know what I am, uh, but I, have, I am down 20 pounds in... Uh, <sighs> I think it might be six weeks, but I think it might be five. But anyway, I'm down 20 pounds from my uh, from my cry for help. So we're 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 building good habits here. Um, I'm now sort of confident that I'm going to achieve my goals. Like you know, I'm just getting to the gym every day. I'm eating, you know, doing calorie counting, all that shit, all that gay shit. And no, I'm just kidding. I don't use that word. <laughs> Uh, anybody who knows me knows that that uh, aborted joke using uh, gay as a slur was just me being ironic. Uh, I don't, I would not say that in jest or in uh, seriousness. But the um, uh, baby paid me to say that. Uh, but I, um, yeah, I, I, I feel now very confident that, but without question, by my forty-third birthday in April, but most likely a month or two before then, I will be at my my playing weight is deceptive. I, I played uh, in college at two forty-three. I should have probably been playing at two thirty, but I just like the weight room too much. Um, you know, especially when you're when if I was playing a ton, I would have been like more. Fi- I think fine tuning my my body for hoops, but it was like eh. You play me every other game off the bench, and I'm basically just sitting down here hanging with like underclassmen, cracking jokes, and doing impressions on the bench during games. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go throw up as much weight as I can and at least look yoked on spring break, bro. <laughs> so, um, but so 243 is deceptive because if I were 243 now, I would still college me would beat the ever loving shit out of 42 year old. 243 pounds. So I really need to be in like the 230, 235 range. Um, and then I'll just look like a different person. I will, to people who ha- who never saw me before the age of like 32, they'll be like, Jail, are you okay? Do you have cancer? Um, and I, my answer to that is, is going to be probably, but I don't know. But for now, I look good. Um, that's the JL pessimism we've come to uh, expect. Not afraid of tempting fate with fatal disease. But uh, but now I feel like I'm going to hit my goal. I know it's only been a month, but you know what they say about habits. And, and I just I feel like confident this time that 
despite my knees literally feeling like, like they're shredded. Like I am going to have to go in December um, in case there's a change in my health insurance in 2022. Uh, I'm going to have to go to to, to like the hospital for special surgery or something and get my knee, both of my knees looked at um, because I'm pretty sure there's going to need to be some, some surgery on at least one, if not both. But for now, I'm just dropping pounds, throwing up weights, eating right, riding the uh, exercise bike and going for long walks in my neighborhood, enjoying nature. Uh, and I wear an unflattering tank top. This is, you guys, you have to understand is... <sighs> For so much of my life, I've used anger at others to fuel me. And it's made me good at things I care about. Not, not successful, of course, but, but good. And to me, that will always matter more when you see what succeeds in this world. It will always matter more to me being good at what I do than being successful. I'd like both, but that seems to be a, a tricky combo these days. But now, in this isolation chamber known as Bloomfield, New Jersey... I really have to just sort of treat myself like shit as motivation. I, I don't have, I need, you know, I will, I, we, I will always be able to manufacture an enemy, Michael Jordan-esque capability to manufacture an enemy in my life. But right now I just feel like I need to shame myself. So I wear this tank top that I looked damn good in when I was in shape. Uh, and I look, um... If it didn't say Georgetown Law and if I wasn't like clean cut beige and still holding on to the remnants of handsomeness, it's the kind of tank top that would just make me look like like a f sloppy backyard MAGA scumbag. But uh, and I feel like it's important that I that I when I go for my four mile walks each day and my, that's all my knees can take. It's so sad. But uh I say, you know what? You got to earn your vanity again. You got to earn looking good outside and you've got to pay a penny. This is basically me walking around looking like a sloppy piece of shit while I'm exercising is my own version of Cersei's shame walk in Game of Thrones. Just I'm throwing shit on myself saying shame. <laughs> Uh, that's a funny visual, I think. Just imagine that. Uh, the cops would obviously be called if I was actually walking through Bloomfield, New Jersey, just throwing shit at myself saying shame while then eating walnuts, which is actually an even worse experience than having shit thrown at you, I imagine. Walnuts. Um, I will never trust anybody who tells me they like walnuts. I think there's something wrong with you. Now, when And then equally, not... Not as distrustworthy, but just as useless are the people, including the righteous girlfriend, who will say, I like walnuts on a brownie. Mmm, do you? <laughs> uh, that does remind me of an Adam Carolla joke, which is uh, where he says reggae music sucks. And then people would go, oh, Adam, you don't like it when you're having a drink on the beach and you're enjoying some reggae music you don't like? Then he goes, well, of course, then I'll like whatever you play. It's like, oh, Adam... And you got a cold beer, you're on the beach, it's a cool breeze, a hot chick is blowing you and some Bob Marley's playing. You're going to tell me you hate Bob Marley then? That was always his, his run on reggae music. And I always found that to be very funny. And that's how I feel about walnuts. Like, yes, in an ice cream brownie sundae, walnuts add a nice crunchy texture. But when you're eating them for health, they taste 
like tree bark face fucking you. Is that a good enough analogy? I think it is. I think that's a, a, a strong visual, but now you're probably imagining one of the tree characters from Lord of the Rings face fucking you. And that's not what I said, because that would be much more violent and rapey than what I described. So I don't like walnuts. Um, but yeah, I feel like I just, I'm, I'm going to wear when I work out like unflattering clothing because it just, you know, if you can't hate the person in the gym next to you, hate yourself and that might motivate you. And that's working for me right now because eventually I'm going to earn my physique back and I'm going to walk around like the, like the, 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 the cat's meow, the bee's knees, uh, Jeffrey Epstein with a secret plea deal, you know, the kind of confidence that I'm looking to walk around with in 2022. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I wear an unflattering tank top. Um, not quite Scott, you know, I'm not going Scotty J from Boogie Nights style here, but just something where I go, yeah, to the, to the, you know, untrained eye, I might still look sort of like an intimidating enforcer type, but anybody who's looking closely will just say, what an out of shape piece of shit. What a loser. And that's what I'm going for. And that's, that's how I stay motivated. And a low-calorie diet, of course. Throw that on as well to the diet plan. So the point of all that is the weight loss is going well. Um, I've got the special in uh, under three months now. So if you're going to be in New York or if you are in New York, uh, get those tickets this week. Why wait? Um, it's, uh, I think it will be I'm not certain, but I, I'm I'm hoping that the theater will be operating on Broadway rules. It's not on Broadway, but I'm, it'd be cool if it was just like everybody vaccinated. It just takes any guessing game out of it. But uh, let's go back to D.C. So I went to D.C. with the nephew, treated him to a cella, and like any good suburban kid obsessed with, uh, you know, what other suburban kids are, he seemed not that impressed with the Acela. Um he was like, that, was fa- that got to D.C. fast. I was like, yes, you were on the expensive train, nephew. So um, you're welcome. No, he was very gracious. But it's just you start to see certain things don't, you know, like Shania Twain said, um, I grew up in the suburbs next to rich pieces of shit. That don't impress me much. Bam, bam, bam. Um. So we got to uh, D.C., checked into the Grand Hyatt, which uh, is a hotel I'm very familiar with because I stayed there with my mom when we were looking for apartments for me for second year of law school. And then that each year, that was where the Barrister's Ball was held, which is like law school prom, which was fun. Um, Fun event. Fun event. Uh, Made all the mental anguish of law school worth it. Um, no, but it was a very nice event, obviously. And, uh, you know, your, your lady visits from out of town, you put on the suit, you're not a fat 42 year old grumpy lawyer, but you're a fit. The world is my oyster, uh, 25 year old. And yeah, if I can have a great time looking elegant with your lady. Um, so I was back there and I, I found myself missing DC. DC, I think was like not law school. Law school sucked so bad it drove me to do comedy. And I think we don't need to get into what that says about law school, but um, yeah, not the greatest experience 
that from that perspective. But man, did I love DC. I wish I'd gotten a job in DC because I, I think DC is just a tremendous city. Um, it's like it condenses all the great things of, of a New York, um, but leaves out finance bros and long train trips. <laughs> so love DC. And I, I feel like DC was more like my college experience. Like my height, my college experience was probably closer to a lot, the average American's high school experience, listening to Lincoln park, losing virginity, uh, growth spurts and fucking getting jacked. Uh, and then law school was like, I have independence and I can drink and fucking walk around a city like an adult while I'm fucking up law school. So yeah, that was, uh, so, so DC is like the place I associate most with like an adulthood maturation process. That was really fun. Um, so yeah, being in DC, I was like, oh damn, I miss DC. Uh, so that night we went to the cheesecake factory and I did something that I, I didn't know if I had the willpower to do. Uh, I ordered a water, grilled salmon, broccoli, and nothing else. And I just stared at all these cheesecake varieties while my nephew ordered the red velvet cheesecake, which is like the size of his head. And he ate that while we watched Olympics Friday night in the hotel room while I sat there with a delicious uh, three squares of dark chocolate, almost as good as cheesecake, if you ask me. Top that off with some crushed walnuts and a steel rod up the ass, and I call that a Gaddafi dessert to die for. Um, so went to sleep, actually slept decently well. I mean, I woke up in the middle of the night, of course, with whatever fever dream or nightmare or anxiety keeps waking me up at 2.30 every morning. But then I fell back asleep for like another four and a half hours. So I did get like a seven hours combined sleep. Um, we had breakfast the next morning at the hotel. I was very disappointed in mine because eggs and bacon in a hotel, even if it's a nice one, you know, the bacon comes out like well done, but still limp and drenched in its own grease cum. And I go, could you at least blot this? Okay. Could you, this isn't a, this isn't a porn where I'm doing ATM with the bacon. So I, <laughs> so I was disappointed in the, I usually like to get pancakes because pancakes are a safer bet. Um, because it's, you're not going to get like, Oh, these pancakes are like undercooked and drenched in grease. It's like they're pancakes. But the bacon and eggs, it was just not great. So I was like, okay, whatever. So then we uh, went for a nice walk outside. We walked to the National Mall. I filmed a bunch of Trump videos out there. My nephew, not realizing that I'm a true artist and not just a social media clout-chasing bitch, was like, you've got to start talking to people as Trump and get people to... And I was like, no, this is for me. This is for my audience. I'm not, I'm not out here trying to be... Uh, trying to get recognized by a bunch of, a bunch of tourist turds. So then we went to the Air and Space Museum because as I've become middle-aged, I've become fascinated with white male astronauts. And uh, we, watch, we, went, we walked through that museum. Uh, it was, it, we, were both, we both enjoyed it. We then, um, we then walked to uh, Chopped, where I had a salad, as did my nephew. And then uh, watched a little more TV, and then we headed out to the Washington Nationals game. 
because my nephew said he wanted to go see the Nationals. Now, unbeknownst to me, uh, like 48 hours earlier, the Nationals and the Cubs basically traded seven of their eight best players or something. It was, it was, so it was, it was a packed stadium full of people wearing jerseys for both teams that were no longer applicable. Uh, Juan Soto jerseys were the only ones that seems to be still relevant for either team. And uh, we sat there and uh, I, I got a popcorn and a water because I was, you know, calorie counting and trying not to uh, eat too badly. Then I then my nephew wanted to go get Shake Shack. And I said, okay. And he went and he missed two innings of the game. And I said, I'm so glad I'm here watching two teams I don't give a shit about by myself. This is the life. And then he came back after two innings and said, I waited all that time. And they said, they're not taking cash. So I said, all right, here's a credit card. He went back and came back like two thirds of an inning later and said, the line is just too long. So being the good uncle that I am, I offered to buy him a, you know, a standard burger fry combo from like the grill cunts or whatever it's called, you know, like the, the generic, uh, grill gate, <laughs> you know, every non-branded, uh, concession stand has to have its own name. Super snacks. <laughs> um, so he got that. He sat back down and said, okay, I'm just going to go get some ice cream. So I went to the Briars stand and it was about 44 people deep. And I said, I don't give a shit. I've been eating like a champ. All I had was a goddamn popcorn at this game. I didn't have my requisite soda pretzel hot dog followed by soft serve ice cream. So I've been good. So I deserve an ice cream treat. So I'm waiting there. And it turns out the soft serve is all dead. It's a Briars stand. And uh, it's two old black women. Uh, who are forced to ice cream scoop, hard-ass ice cream. So I actually felt bad. Uh, these women were working their fucking asses off. Um, and, you know, soft serve is the way to go at a stadium because it's like, which do you want? The, 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 the biracial cup, the white power cup, or the Black Lives Matter cup? Helmet or cup? Helmet, here. There you go. And then you get it. And it takes like, you know, 40 seconds per, it takes like 10 seconds per order and 25 seconds per cup fill up. Instead, these old women uh, were like having to dig with, and these weren't even like good ass scoops. This is like something from you know, the Washington senators days that they were digging out ice cream with just flexing their forearms. And it was nonstop because everybody wanted ice cream because it was all DC swamp balls at national stadium. So I missed another two innings waiting for my two full innings waiting for my ice cream. Was it delicious? Yes, it was. And so between my nephew and I, we basically only sat together for half of the game because he wanted Shake Shack, and I wanted ice cream. Good job, Nationals, as you probably end up killing at least one of those old black women with the effort they had to exert that night. Um, very sad. Uh, I kept looking at it going, this is like if you gave an older person 
okay, you are manning the machine at the coal mine. It's like, you press these buttons, you monitor this. And then when the machine breaks down, the guy comes in and goes, uh, Mabel, uh, I know you're 71 and close to retirement and just supplementing your retirement income with this, uh, you know, this, this moonlighting gig as a soft serve ice cream wench. But, uh, I need you to get down there in the coal mines and start digging some fucking coal. And uh, that's what it felt like watching these women. Uh, and they were good. This isn't even me saying they were like slow or anything. I just felt terrible. Um, but I waited my time and I wanted my goddamn ice cream. So let somebody else give them, an, uh, give them a shift off. It's not my job. So we then made it back to the hotel, watched a little more Olympics. And then the next day, uh, got up, went to mass nearby, a church very conveniently located. Everything in D.C. is very conveniently located because it's such a condensed city. It's beautiful. We went to mass, and I was uh, very intrigued. The priest in his homily was talking about how he was, uh, he worked on Wall Street. Um, looks like he was the wolf of Wall Street and now a lamb for the Lord. How about that? Let's get that biopic going. But he talked about um, how he was, he was on Wall Street. He had secured some big deal for Citibank, which was a client of his employer. And obviously, he was like a young finance bro. And he was just like, but being obsessed with that was really not good for my uh, family life. I assume you know he meant his birth family, not a family that he fathered. Um, and he was like, it wasn't good for my faith. And so then, you know, several years later, he went to the seminary. So I'm guessing he was on Wall Street, like right out of college or something, and then had a faith awakening. But I thought to myself, I'm not joining the priesthood, but, but there was a lot of good truth in that, because it just feels like that's what comedy became, just this obsession that was just not actually good for anybody, except the millions of people I entertained, of course. But uh, after that, went to Union Station. Uh, my nephew, because I'm a good uncle, there is a Shake Shack in Union Station. Got him some Shake Shack. What did I have? A fruit and cheese plate from Starbucks with a water because we're living right right now. And then uh, we got on the train. We were in first class, so we had a meal served. Of course, he rejected that because he had just eaten Shake Shack. So I thought, that's good, good. I wish I had not wasted a first class upgrade on you, young nephew. And I'm just kidding. It wasn't wasted. Although it was because he basically was on his phone the whole time, not, not admiring the, 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 the luxurious seclusion of the first-class car on a Sella. Uh, and I listened to some podcasts. I read some Jimmy Carter biography. And then we arrived back at Newark Penn Station, without question the worst train station in America. And uh, my sister-in-law picked us up, dropped me home, I got in at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, and Cookie whimpered and promptly pissed all over the floor, which is, uh, you know, it feels like the non-bestiality way of making my dog come. So I think that's romantic. That's just me, I guess. But uh, yeah, every time I get home, it feels, it's, you know what, I like that she does it. Any dog can just jump around and whimper, but when you make your dog lose, lose her bodily functions, that's not just love, that's passion. Uh, not afraid of towing the line of bestiality references. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, 
that was my trip to D.C. And today I'm back doing work. And uh, the great thing is at the end of this week, I will then be in a position to tell you folks what I'm doing. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff. It's, uh, it's like the antithesis of my comedy career. Um, so this week we'll be busy with day job work and then uh, with, with uh, an entertainment opportunity that I will share with you on next week's episode. But in other news, uh, just to give you updates, uh, the manager who's had my um, my Trump stuff for a month now, close to four weeks, it's just under four weeks, has it has yet to be viewed. So it has no views because it's a private, you know, like an unlisted link. So after 24 days, after 24 days, he hasn't watched it. The people he rushed me to get it to clearly haven't watched it because nobody's watched it. So once again, no help from people asking to help, but that's okay. That's, I mean, that's, that's par for the course, but, um, you know, at some point I'm going to probably do even more damage to my career when I explode on certain people. Um, cause it's, you know, in the words of Al Pacino in heat, don't waste my motherfucking time. That's all. That's all I ask of people. And then also my, my, my esteemed friend uh, in the comedy business, retired emeritus, um, who was going to help put together a small uh, you know, independent venue tour for me. Well, that was two months ago we had uh, our discussion on that, and I don't have a single gig lined up. So I don't know. But it's just going to make what I announce next week all the more ironic that like with no effort – me alone, good things seem to happen, but not in the volume that I need them to be a sustainable career. That's why I need a gatekeeper, a represent, uh, you know, representation. But it's just how many, it's going to be one of those things where I go, how many things do I have to accumulate that are clearly good and that other people in those industries would kill for? How many of those things do I have to accumulate on my own? Late night credits, major podcast appearances, viral videos, national media coverage, and this thing coming up. How many of these things do I have to accumulate on my own with no help before somebody says, hey, maybe with our help, he could be huge because he's already doing pretty well without us. He's just not able to sustain the career level without the rabbi to vouch for him to clubs and industries and, and things like that. So that's what's, you know, the frustrating thing about all this is that like, Good things happening on their own highlight how useless other people have been. Um, so we'll see. But I guess, you know, I'm just gearing up for the, the rise and fall of it happened. It was great. It was a good payday. It's a big deal. It's a, a unique special credit. Um, and then it's going to be like, oh, but uh, back to nothing. I guess, I guess like everything else I've done, this will somehow magically not count. <laughs> like all the things I accumulate seem to be like, yeah, you've done all that, but have you bombed on Fallon? Well, then not sure you're the, what we're looking for. Um, so, yeah, you can see the bitterness is always there. The bitterness is right there, bubbling beneath the surface of sarcasm. Um, what else? We Should we end with uh, something positive? I don't think so. Um, 
I did get a COVID test last week and I was COVID negative. So we're still go doing good on that front. Um, America is done as far as I'm concerned. I think it's, uh, it's time to move on. Um, it's time to maybe see if we can make China a little more democratic before they take over. Um, yeah, I, I kept tweeting. I was pissed off at a lot of people not wearing masks on Amtrak. Uh, and I know it's, maybe it's just me finding something to be annoyed about, but, um, it just seems weird that it's a federal law and we do have a very highly contagious variant, uh, making its way through the country and that, uh, people, you know, want to be, uh, stay entitled. And it's always, I know you can't judge a book by its cover. And it's something I was telling my nephew cause he was jokingly trying to, to identify MAGA people. And, you know, when I see a family, a white family of five with uh, the, the, the Midwestern wide-eyed uh, grins get on the metro, I say, those are probably MAGA people. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, this is, this is my, big, my big beef with, with everybody um, not wearing masks. It's almost always the people who are also in the demographics of those not getting vaccinated. Like on, in D.C., it was like, you know, my nephew was probably made like a hundred MAGA calls and I only approved like four of them. Most of them. I was like, you don't know that you can't, you can't, but there were a few where I was like, well, yeah, that guy's MAGA. That family is definitely MAGA. Come on. Of course. Uh, those women taking a picture unironically outside the Trump hotel, they're MAGA clearly. But for the most part, you can't fully judge. And, um, but it's, it's the groups. It was, it was, it was now DC is heavily black. So it's, it's a skewed perspective. But the only people I saw un, unmasked were, were MAGA whites and black men. And I thought to myself, see, if you guys were in the groups that are most vaccinated, I'd be like, well, I do feel a little sick. But those are two of the groups that are least vaccinated. So I'm like, wait, are you actually compounding the problem? Are you actually walking around as a threat? Like, in other words, neither vaccinated nor masked and disobeying federal regulations. Cause that's, that's a, a, a real force multiplier of scumbaggery. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of complaining on Twitter. I had some, uh, some direct messages. Uh, Amtrak hit me up in my DM. So, you know, they're thirsty, but, uh, yeah, they were like, you gotta tell your conductor. And I'm like, well, it's weird because when the conductor, when the train employee walks through, we all, we call everybody a conductor, I guess, who's on the train, but the, you know, the ticket, take it, ticket, take ticket takers. Um, when they walk through and say hello and ask people if they need anything and see maskless people like four trips in a row, other than just being like a snitch, what will me be going, uh, sir, uh, I'm sure you saw this, but you know, it's a federal regular, like now I've made that dude angrier and which is fine, but the real culprit to me is the people not wearing it. And I know sometimes people get into fights and they're teaching flight attendants uh, self-defense. Um, wouldn't it be cool, though, if some flight attendants were just like MMA, like the, the rare progressive MMA people, and all of a sudden some guy's like, I'm not putting on a mask, and then they just get their like, fucking jaw broken? Um, like unexpected, you know what I mean? I'm, just, it's, I, I'm not for violence, but... You know, just as a concept, like for a screenplay, I think that would be kind of funny. Anywho, I <sighs> gotta get, gotta walk cookie now for afternoon.
constitutional and then get back to work and then time to record making podcasts great again and then i have to do a uh, special cameo uh for uh, a billionaire in silicon valley the work never stops people um and the joy never begins that's my motto when it comes to my life uh but bob moses uh i think he passed away after last week's recording or if he didn't um, I should, I did, you know, I was, last week's episode was short and sweet and hoarse, and this one is not. Um, but Bob Moses, legendary civil rights, uh, civil rights worker from uh, the 60s. Um, he was a, he had, you know, you know, he's a big deal because he had a front page obit on the New York Times. Uh, but when I read Taylor Branch's trilogy of the King years, Parting the Waters, Pillar of Fire, I think, was the third one. No, Pillar of Fire was the second one, and At, At Canaan's Edge was the third one. It took me like seven months to read those three books. It's, it's like, it's like 2,300 pages or 2,000 pages of text. Um, but just basically takes the country from 1954 to 1968, and you, you see all these, all these characters, all these legends CT Vivian, a lot of a lot of uh, you know the, the the King generation is 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 dying quickly. Like you know, only the youngest ones now. Uh, John John Lewis was one of the younger ones, and he he obviously passed away. So it's basically like Andrew Young is one of the re remaining few, and he was one of the youngest um, in the movement. But Bob Moses, uh, there were names that I was familiar with, and there were names that I was not familiar with when I read the trilogy, and Bob Moses was one of the names I was not familiar with. And it was the name I was most, it was the person in the books uh, above everybody, including MLK, that I left so in awe of. Um, and as his obituary fleshed out, he was actually a teacher at Horace Mann, which is the rival private school of where I went, Riverdale. And um, Horace Mann, very famous private school in, in New York City. Uh, but he was a math teacher. And then he just, he saw like the, you know, the Woolworths counter assaults and the sit-ins on the news and just basically was like I gotta go and he went down south and I still remember it and it, which book it must have been in the first book had to have been in the first book chronologically um, but the man was basically like a one-man voter registration drive in early 1960s Mississippi and on an earlier possibly in a blog but definitely in an earlier podcast that is no longer available once I uh, got a real day job and just sort of did a little house cleaning of things that could be problematic. Even though I don't think there was anything problematic, there were just hundreds of episodes. And I'm like, I'm sure I said something horrific on at least eight of these episodes. Um, good foresight, though, because nobody would have cared. But then I got kind of famous. And then maybe some people might have cared a little bit. But uh, I analogized what he was doing into being like, imagine if you were walking around by yourself, door to door in Taliban occupied Afghanistan, pushing for gay marriage. The miracle, the miracle would simply be surviving. And that alone would just be a miracle and, and a testament to unreal courage. And if that sounds like an exaggeration, it's not. 1960s Mississippi, uh, was a terrorist run state if you were if you were a 
a black person or an ally to black people in 1960s Mississippi, uh, that could be a death sentence. Uh, terrorism ran rampant in the South at that time. And that's what it was. It was pure, pure full terrorism. Um, like minus the technological uh, advancements of an Al-Qaeda or, or, or an ISIS, but same shit. Uh, you don't think if they had cell phone cameras, they wouldn't have been recording and posting lynchings to the internet. That shit was straight up disgusting, dreadful terrorism. Does it like just pure terrorism. And he and, and it just stood out to me that he was somebody who was so committed and, and so courageous and to come not from the movement, but to be called to the movement and to do such brave and bold work. And then stuff I didn't even know because it wasn't in, encompassed in the books. He became this major advocate for like math programs to, to help advance like African-American youth. Um, and, and it was just what a, what a life. What a what a a a a great and courageous life lived, uh, and you can catch me uh, at uh, Helium on September twenty sixth if you want to see a life completely lived through cowardice and bitterness. So, guys, uh, this episode is dedicated to Bob Moses uh, and uh, and only him, <laughs> uh, but incredible. Like, so obviously, if you haven't read the Taylor Branch trilogy. It's, it's, a, it's a labor, but not a labor, not a labor in terms of, oh, this is so boring. But it's, it's, it is a, you know, t when it takes an author 20 years, you know, there's certain authors, I think Rick Perlstein belongs in this class for his, his rise of, of Reagan, the Reagan Republican Party books, um, which I think are superb. Um, and the ones I haven't read yet, but here are, you know, the, the, cre the cream of the crop, the top of the class when it comes to this sort of life's work of one person. Uh, Robert Caro, I have the books on Lyndon Johnson, just I will get to them sometime before 2030. But uh, I would recommend, uh, I would recommend the, uh, the Taylor Branch trilogy, Parting the Waters at Canaan, uh, Parting the Waters, Pillar of Fire at Canaan's Edge. Um, and you will probably leave as impressed with Bob Moses as, as I was. So very sad to see him pass. But that is, that is a life well lived. And I bet you he never fucking did a minute of stand-up comedy. <laughs> so that's it, folks. As a reminder, uh, if you're not listening to Making Podcasts Great Again, I strongly urge you to. We're doing great humor stuff there. Um, if you don't have my albums, by all means, go get them. Subscribe to my YouTube channels. And above all else, September 26th, I am in Philadelphia, PA. Tickets are on sale now. Just go to Helium's website. Uh, like I've always said, no reason to hesitate. The, the better my sales look early on, the better that is for my mental health and for my standing with the club. So if you're a Philly area person, get those tickets. And even more important than that is the special I'm recording on October 23rd in New York City. If you are going to make a trip to New York City, that would be a great time to do it. If you are in the New York area and a fan of mine, well, for Christ's sake, stop waiting. Get the tickets now. So that's it for this week. I think this hit all the notes, some depression, some humor, some vulgarity, and some civil rights talk. You know, it's a, that's a full episode of the Righteous Brick Podcast. So have a great week, folks. I look forward to sharing great news with you next week. Um, I hope I'm not selling it too big. It's a big deal for me. 
Um, and it's, it's an out of the blue quality opportunity for me. So I will share that with you in a week. Uh, until then, go get vaccinated, wear your masks if, if you're in a place that uh, Delta is spreading, and uh, be good to yourselves and each other. And I will see you next Tuesday.